Welcome to the Discipleship Discussions Podcast. We believe everyone can be a disciple who makes disciples. Our goal is to help you with this process. Each week, we take the lesson taught through basic discipleship and break it down in a discussion format. Now, let's join today's discussion. Thanks for joining us. My name is Benji Linder, and with me is Dr. Patrick Latham. Hello. Uh, Today's topic is breaking down barriers to prayer. Hopefully you had a chance to check out the teaching session prior to this so you know what we're talking about. Uh, But Patrick, you shared openly about your struggle with not feeling like you were praying enough in your life. And you've um, talked to our church about that. Can you expand on this episode what that looked like in your life, the process and how you've grown through that whole scenario? Yeah, I think I think a lot of us um, have prayer as what I would call an aspired value. You know, we know we should pray, but the the fact of the matter is we often don't pray as we should. So I like to say prayer is often an aspired value, but not an actualized value. And so for me, I came face to face with that several years ago when um, a pastor in a church, at which I was on staff. Uh, challenged the staff to be more people of prayer. And he shared a study where they had surveyed uh, uh, pastors across America, asking them how often they prayed, and uh, found out that the average pastor confessed to praying less than 15 minutes a day. And so um, maybe for me, my personality, you know, kind of putting a time stamp on that made me uh, really consider where I was in my prayer life. I don't think God has some legalistic obligation as far as time, uh, but for me, it just made me realize, man, I don't have much of a prayer life myself. I would be in that group, you know, in that survey under 15 minutes. And so just really challenged me to step up my game there. And then as I sought to pray, I realized I didn't really know how to pray. You know, I would start a time of prayer, like I'd get alone and say, okay, I'm going to pray now. Uh, but then in doing that, um, it just felt kind of aimless. Like I didn't know what to say. I'd pray for a couple minutes and be like, well, I guess that's it. Like what do I do now? And um, are my prayers being answered? So, you know, first I was challenged pray. And then I realized in that, I don't know how to pray. And, and I was on staff at a church. So I went, you know, committed myself to a process of trying to learn how to pray. No, that's good. And uh, you mentioned that that is one of the barriers that we we don't feel like we know how to pray. So if you were sitting across the table with a brand new believer and you had the opportunity for the first time to speak into his or her life on what it means to pray, can you expand a little bit on what that should look like in his or her life? Yeah. You know, I go back to a student pastor. I I had... um, when I was in high school, I remember being at kind of, I think it was a winter retreat or fall retreat at a campground down in South Georgia. And the student pastor, we came back to the dorm room that night and he was, the, the, the tabernacle time that evening had been on prayer. And so he's kind of doing his follow-up lesson, right? And so um, I don't remember what happened in the tabernacle. That was when the preacher preached. I don't remember much of that. But I remember my student pastor saying, guys, prayers like this, it's simply talking to God. And that definition has stuck with me ever since then. And so I, at that point, I really wasn't at a great place spiritually, but I got the lesson. And so I think if I was to encourage uh, you know, a person, as you've asked, in their prayer life, I would say, just remember it's talking to God. 
So even when you're failing, even when you're wrong, even when you pray wrongly, um, or you ask, you know, as the King James says in James, amiss, you know, you ask for something from wrong desires, man, don't worry about it. You're talking to the Lord. If you pray the wrong thing, you'll learn in time. You know, he'll teach you. But but keep that relational aspect at the heart of your prayer life. If, if it becomes ritual and religion, then, man, it's going to be boring and dry and dead. You'll give up in time. But if you learn that this is about a relationship where soul, my soul gets to connect with the creator of all things, that's when you'll be more fired up to pray. No, that's good. And I appreciate that advice. And um, one of the things you mentioned in your teaching session, and I'm going to quote you here, is prayerlessness leads to fruitlessness. Mm-hmm. And do you believe that this is a problem in our churches today? Is it individual problems or is it a corporate problem? Mm-hmm. And what about our convention? I, I see where right now we've we've seen the numbers. We've looked over the, uh, all the data that uh, our numbers are getting lower and lower. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think there's a connection between that lack of evangelism and prayerlessness? Yeah. Yeah, I think you, when you talk about uh, where does the problem rest, I think you, know, you mentioned individual, corporate, convention. I think you always go back to the individual. Mm-hmm. You know, we are corporately what we are individually. Right. Uh, we are uh, convention-wise what we are corporately and individually. And I, I think it all goes back to the, the individual, you know, that, um, you know, indeed there's place for corporate prayer and corporate prayer is important, but many times the reason there isn't corporate prayer is individually we don't, it's not a priority. So then we don't bring it to the corporate time. Um, you know, if, if we were to see in our convention, if we were at a place where we feel like there's not enough prayer, well, that's just indicative of the fact that we as churches don't pray and we as churches don't pray because we as people don't pray. And so um, I think it, it all comes back to it. if it is to be, it's up to me that we've got to take personal responsibility for prayer and then, and then bring that to our church. And um, sure, the church can should encourage prayer and there's power. My house shall be called a house of prayer, Jesus said. But really, it starts with a, a breakdown in our personal souls and our personal priorities. And, and I really do. I, I was convicted. I don't know where I picked that up. Prayerlessness is fruitlessness, but um, you know, it's something that stuck with me. You know, I can do a lot of things in the name of the Lord. I can do a lot of things for my family. I can do a lot of things in ministry. But if I'm not a man of prayer, um, there's not going to be the true fruit that remains, as Scripture says. So I'm often challenged by James where he speaks of Elijah, um, and he says the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man is powerful in its effect. And so uh, that's what I mean by fruitlessness. Prayer works. No, that, that's good. So uh, for the pastor that's listening to this and he's at a church where he feels like their prayer ministry is almost non-existent or mm-hmm. for history's sake, it's, it's an hour on a Wednesday night that very, very few people are able to attend and yeah. therefore do attend. What would be the f- next step that you would encourage a pastor in that situation to do? Yeah, I would say one, uh, make sure you have a healthy, vibrant prayer life. Set some goals there. Uh, schedule that into your daily routine, your daily rhythms. I would say then find some prayer partners. You know, I've been blessed in my ministry to have men who have committed deacons, fellow pastors, just church members who committed to to meet me at the church and regularly pray just one-on-one and kind of start a holy huddle through that of people, you know, um, locking arms in prayer. And, um, you know, I'd say teach on prayer, 
you know, there's a, a need for that. You know, our people need to be trained. You know, we've talked about that in this, uh, the lesson that goes with this podcast. You know, Jesus' disciples learned to pray because they came to the Lord and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so I'd say teach on it. And then I'd say manage expectations. You know, I think we, we live in this world of church work here in 21st century America. We go to a conference and we hear these big stories of all these awesome things that have happened. Then we feel discouraged if we don't see X, Y, and Z happening in our context. Or we think that success has always got to be, you know, the, 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 the steep climb of success on the graph where it's just always this incredible upward trajectory. And the reality sometimes, most of the time, ministry is really hard. And when you read scripture, you see the people of God wrestling in prayer and seeking to prevail in prayer. So I'd say give it time and don't give up. You know, Jesus taught that parable that we ought to always pray and not give up. Yeah. No, and I appreciate that. And I know the pastor who's listening appreciates those words and um, looking at things through the lens of a parent. So I'm a new uh, parent and I want to do the best job I can do leading my family spiritually. Uh, what advice would you give parents right now after listening to your teaching session and listening to this podcast? What advice would you give them to have a vibrant, vibrant prayer life as a family? Yeah, I would say... Number one, let them know that you pray. Mm-hmm. Let them see it. I'm not saying that you kind of sound the trumpet as Jesus warns us not to do. Um, but, you know, I, I make no bones about it in the morning. If uh, I'm having my breakfast and my Bible time and prayer time, if, you know, I have younger children, but if they're being loud or interrupt me, I might remind them, hey, this is daddy's Bible time and prayer time. So they know their dad's a man of the word and a man of prayer. Um, hopefully at times they've seen me praying or walked in on me praying. I recently did a funeral for an older man, and it was neat as I met with the family to prepare for the the funeral service, the daughters talked about how, and and the wife talked about how they had over the years seen their dad or their husband praying Mm -hmm. or heard him in the other room. What a powerful testimony. So remember, this is like a lot of things. It's more caught than taught. Mm-hmm. You know, so make sure you're first a person of prayer. Then I'd say lead family prayer time. You know, that can be real simple. Sometimes we make it way more complicated than it needs to be. But for us, that looks like I might read a portion of scripture. Um, last week we were in Mark and I read a chapter of Mark and at the end of it, okay, we're gonna pray. Does anybody have any prayer request? And you know, I've got an eight-year-old an 11 year old and a 12 year old there, they all had a prayer request. You know, they know someone that's sick or they know a family member in need. Um, They've got a friend they're thinking about. Um, I had a prayer request. My wife does. And so then what I'll do is I'll just divide it up and say, okay, Levi, you pray for such and such prayer request. And will you pray for such and such? And so just a sign and we're going to go in a row now and I'll take turns. And so they're practicing prayer and then they're hearing me pray. And them he- hearing me pray is really, I think, a way of teaching them to pray. And then in that, sometimes, you know, like maybe maybe one of my children will say, kind of get bashful and say, well, I don't know how to pray. And so I say, you know, I'll just say, well, just pray and ask, Lord, be with them, give them comfort and joy and heal them. And so we're teaching them to pray. Yeah. And so. you, you hit the nail on the head right there. So not only were you leading them when they mm-hmm. had questions, you gave them examples so that 
cult, not just mm. taught mentality, yeah. which I think is so, so important. Is, and as well as you mentioned, start simply uh, yeah. with a simple plan. Uh, don't complicate things. Or you, I'm yeah. sure y'all didn't all put on robes and yeah, yeah, gather yeah. together yeah. in a circle and burn some candles. Yeah. I know that y'all did it practically at, in your busy life. And uh, you mentioned that that may be the largest sin. I forget your exact words, but just the sinfulness of busyness. Yeah, yeah. So if you're face-to-face with a guy who's um, our age, 30, 40-year-old, he's working hard in his career, trying to provide for his family, and he feels like he is taxed completely. What are some ways that he can have a vibrant prayer life in the midst of perhaps even chaos and busyness? Yeah, I would encourage, uh, I've met with guys in that situation before, so I'll, if if I can be so bold, and if they'll allow me, I'll say, make a list of everything you do. Mm. Like, what, everything I do? Yeah, make a list of everything you do. Like, and then I'll help them, let's put work, Marriage, parenting, those are going to be your first three. What else do you do? You got any hobbies? You got any extracurricular pursuits? You got any side jobs? Like, what do you got? Let's list it all out. And so sometimes when they see all that, they'll see that they have a crazy amount of priorities or things they're chasing after. And so it's like, okay. And usually what I'll lead them to do is say, you know, really, and, and this is really for guys with a family um, in the home, but it can be applied to people of all ages. I'll say, you know, really the world you live in right now, it really needs to be your personal health, your walk with the Lord, your wife, your kids, your job, and maybe one hobby. So I've led guys to pare that down before. And so, um, you know, I think that's first is just listing out priorities and then prayer has got to be one of those, that time with the Lord. And, um, and then with that, you know, I share examples of how I struggle. I think folks think because I'm a pastor that like I've just got all the time on time in the world on my hands to pray. The reality is it's very difficult for me to find time to pray as well. Um, you know that we have work that never ends. When we have our day off, there's still 20 more things we could do. And I've just learned everybody's busy. Everybody's facing that pressure. So it's just good to own up to it and not, well, if I had such and such job or if I was like so-and-so, just own it. We're all busy. The world we live in in 21st century America is going to is gonna cramp our style, and we just have to be prepared for that. So, so I like to share, hey, for me, you know, here's what I have to do. Here's what time I have to get up before I'm in the office to make sure I've had that time. I'll share, too, when I first started out, trying to have a renewed commitment to prayer, it was real hard for me, say, to carve out 20 minutes just to pray maybe in my bedroom or my prayer closet. And so what I would do during that time is I I started using my drive time to prayer. That's when my prayer life really started to turn around. I said, instead of listening to sports talk radio or listening to Garth Brooks or whatever on the way to work, I'm going to pray. And I I got a a three-by-five card with my prayer list. I knew my commute was 15 minutes. And so I wrote down 15 prayer requests before I left each day, and I would pray a minute on each one. And so, um, and what that did when I found out, man, that works, that was awesome. I feel like so refreshed, and I feel like I see God working in my heart and in my life because of that. Then that made me hungry to pray more. And so then it was like, dude, I want to get alone and do this, and then use that drive time for maybe five or seven minutes of prayer. But it got me to where then I want to be in a prayer closet having time with the Lord. And I appreciate that. And I think you model that for us as a pastor, I think is uh, chapter six of Acts where, you know, the deacon 
uh, position mm-hmm. was really created because uh, the disciples, apostles, rather, we have to you know, minister to the word or do the mm-hmm. ministry of the word and to prayer. And just a funny story for the those listening is uh, I know he prays with others because one uh, afternoon, I believe it was a Thursday afternoon, as I'm always walking around this church, I'm always singing, I'm a loud person. Mm-hmm. And I had to go from one end of the building to another. And I walk into our worship center. It's very, very dark, but I hear just, just mumbling going on. <laughs> And, and I didn't know what was going on. It was dark. And by the time I got to you, and I believe it was Don's startup, they were on their knees praying. And here I am singing. Uh, it might have been George Strait or Garth Brooks. <laughs> but y'all were praying. And, and then at that point, I was already halfway there. So I just kept on walking through, kept walking through. Uh, but I appreciate how you model that for our people. And I love yeah. the ideas you've given for pastors out there, ministers out there to have uh, deacons partner with you. And I know at times you've literally had them come meet you in your office yeah. to pray. And that encourages you. And I think it's kind of like a wildfire that that mm-hmm. spreads. Um, the one final question is I'm looking for a story here. Uh, I think prayer motivates us when we see how prayer works in someone else's mm-hmm. life. So what is your most fond memory of prayer working in your life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say there's a lot there. Um, I, I would say one is just uh, salvation, mm. you know, and there's been multiple times where I've seen that where uh, somebody's on my list for salvation. And I think that's always got to be maybe number one. You know, there's uh, been others. I can think of two where I was at crossroads in ministry and in life wondering what's next. Do I continue with the ministry I'm in or do I go elsewhere? And kind of uh, like Paul with the Macedonian call, I saw doors shut and then I saw doors wide open Mm -hmm. where you look back and just have to say that was an answer to prayer. Um, And and I think so. You said one. I'm thinking of a lot here. It's kind of like desserts. I have a lot of favorite desserts, but I'd say salvation and the Lord working my life. And then I've seen some big things in churches. You know, pastor a church where we were relocating at one time and we had a property we thought. We will never sell this. We're just going to have to take a bath and sell it for like a quarter of what it's worth. And we had a buyer who was going to give us maybe a quarter of what it's worth. And, you know, I just led the church. Let's pray. Let's pray that the Lord would send a buyer. And uh, he did, you know, and it was amazing who came immediately cash offer uh, closer to what the property was worth. And I remember standing before the church and saying, y'all know what just happened, right? The Lord just answered a prayer. And so um, I think it's one of those things where we need those 12 stones of remembrance Mm -hmm. because then that fires us up, motivates us to pray more. So great question. Absolutely. Well, thank you. That wraps up today's episode of Discipleship Discussions podcast, where we believe everyone can be a disciple who makes disciples. Make sure you check out the basic prayer series uh, that Patrick and I have referred to. Uh, You can get some uh, notes there, outline, and he has all the scripture references there. Uh, But thank you for joining us today. Uh, We hope to see you at our next episode. Have a great time. Thank you for joining us today for our discussion on basic prayer. Stay current with other episodes by subscribing to our podcast. For show notes, visit us online at basicdiscipleship.net. If you have any questions about the material presented in this discussion, or if you would like to give feedback, email us at info at basicdiscipleship.net. Thanks for listening.